0: The Jake and Dad Show is owned and produced by j Productions. All opinions expressed by the hosts or guests are their own and are not endorsed by either radio station management or any of its advertisers. Hey, if you own or plan to own a home, listen up. I'm Brian Feldman, host of Out of Line on Fox Sports Radio, and today I'm talking Residential Bank Corp., a mortgage company with licensed pros taught to treat every client exactly as they would want to be treated. At Residential Bank Corp., they offer a wide variety of mortgage programs and a speedy process. From the time your application is taken until your loan funds, your loan officer will keep you informed throughout the entire process, and that process can take as little as two weeks. At Residential Bank Corp., we offer the standard conventional FHA and VA. We have down payment assistance, homes for heroes, teachers' grants, self employed, foreign nationals, and pretty much every mortgage program offered in the state. When I'm not on the radio, I'm a loan officer at Residential Bank Corp, and I'd love to meet you. The office is located in Las Vegas at 3068 East Sunset, between Eastern and Pecos. Come on in, and let's get you approved today. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Brian Feldman, NMLS 116-2258. Louis Galindo, NMLS 145-5715. Branch NMLS 120894 Corporate NMLS 210853 Equal Housing Lender. When it comes to dependability in car batteries, no one beats Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been providing outrageously dependable starting power for over 65 years. With over 200,000 dealers nationwide,
1: there's one near you. Just click on InterstateBatteries.com.
0: Ron Burgundy here. Did you know
2: one out of every ten Americans is still not wearing a seatbelt when they drive? It's true. What are these people thinking? Maybe they're thinking they're too cool to get in a car crash. Maybe they're thinking I'm only going a couple of blocks, so no need. Heck, maybe they think only the driver needs a seatbelt. I don't know. The point being, wear your gosh darn seatbelts, folks. It's the law. And tune in to Season 4 of the Ron Burgundy Podcast on June 3rd. Paid for by NHTSA.
0: If you need to sell your house, talk
1: to Aaron Taylor. You want to sell it fast and get... Most cash talk
0: to Aaron Taylor the real estate guy Jacob Taylor here the real estate guy no 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 wait a minute kid you're not there yet buddy hey folks Aaron Taylor here the real estate guy hey dad why do we give cash advances of ten thousand dollars or more when people use us to sell their home well Jacob if a seller needs an advance it's used for vacation relocation repairs or whatever they need it for Kid. We ask the right questions to find out what's best for the seller. Sometimes it's buying their house cash within 72 hours, or maybe we need to do some remodeling.
1: Wow, Dad! Growing up watching what you do for your clients and friends, I'm extremely proud and excited to follow in your footsteps. Call the real estate kid and the real estate guy today. 702 310 6683.
0: License number 388886. EXP Realty. Call for details.
1: Talk to Aaron Taylor, the
0: real estate guy. Snoring has to be one of the most annoying sounds on earth, but Tempur-Pedic, God bless them, just came up with a brilliant solution. The new Tempur-Ergo Smart Face actually senses your snoring and adjusts your mattress to help eliminate it. Hi, I'm Dave Mizrahi, owner of Best Mattress. Come see this amazing technology. And now at a Memorial Day sale, save up to $500 on a large in-stock selection of Tempur-Pedic mattress sets plus free delivery and no interest financing for 72 months. Best mattress. Sleep easy, friends.
2: See store for details.
0: Go to PropSwap.com and receive up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit and enter bonus code ESPNVEGAS. PropSwap.com is where America buys and sells sports bets. Go online, PropSwap.com. Finley Volvo invites
1: you to discover the first pure electric SUV from Volvo, the XC40 Recharge. Volvo's first battery electric SUV is fully connected, featuring the first
2: infotainment system designed and built by Google and powered by Android.
1: Hey, Google. Turn up the heat.
2: With Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store built in, along with legendary Volvo safety, it's the SUV you've been waiting for. Learn more about the XC40 Recharge at finleyvolvo.com.
1: Hi, Chef Jet Tila here to introduce the Dragon Tiger Noodle Company to Las Vegas. I've traveled the world in search of the best noodles, like our house-made egg noodles in Chinese bone broth with bok choy and grilled chicken. Dragon Tiger Noodle Company, my noodles, your way.
0: Don't hit snooze. It's Sunday, and every Sunday morning starts with Out Alive on Fox Sports Radio. Now live from downtown Las Vegas, it's Out Alive's Brian Feldman and former UNLV quarterback Caleb Herring. live at Kicker's Gaming and Sports Bar. Free donuts and orange juice, plus Bloody Mary and mimosa specials during the show. Out Alive on Fox Sports Radio. Sunday mornings, 8 to die. Broadcasting live from Kicker's Gaming and Sports Bar, nine thirty one Las Vegas Boulevard North and Washington.
2: All
0: right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're coming to you live from Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, which is just down the road from Cashman Center. And we're be our home this Because due to COVID 19 protocol, all live shows have been booted from the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio. So if you're up in mobile, come on down and join us. And uh, hey, we're we're here for about another hour right now. Joining me on the show is Social Media Director. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Yeah, the Wiz is the only social media director, former intern in the world with his own theme music, also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox Sports residential Bancorp studio, producer and future WWE star, Dino Damon Cotton. Um, and uh, also Dino Damon does a heck of a lot of other things, including last week. He was actually uh, performing last week, Spencer, in um, in uh, the, uh, an event that took place. I wasn't able to make it. It was uh, – a uh, last Saturday night, but we'll have to ask Demond about that. So, Demond, if you got your microphone hooked up, you can join us here in a second. Um, the show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The, pot, the page is called Out Line. That's o u t t a l i n e You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. Adeline, Fox, L-I-N-D. Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702 876 1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. The Vegas Title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing. One America, one neighborhood, and now offering two hundred I should say twenty five hundred dollars towards closing costs on any home loan that you qualify for in the state of Nevada. On tap Yep, that's right. The Vegas Golden Knights huge win at T Mobile Arena in front of a near capacity crowd for the first time since the pandemic hit. David Shane of the Las Vegas Review Journal will be joining us shortly to talk about that game, today's game four, and the Knights' chances in the series against Colorado. The Beer was in the NBA playoffs. And an old superstar stepped in and picked up the slack. The Las Vegas Aces won yesterday, and the Las Vegas Aviators will soon be home for almost two weeks in a row. So if you haven't checked out a game at uh, Cash, I almost said Cashman Field. How about the Las Vegas Ballpark up in Summerlin? This is going to be a great opportunity to do so. Uh, hey, that's what's on tap. If you're looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residents. One time. And Right now, Residential Bay Corp. is offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 towards closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing program. Call 702-964-5720 uh, for details. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. For Stone, Mark Stone drops it. Hold it, fires. They score! The Vegas Golden Knights. 2 late goals. They win. Game three. Yeah, Vegas Golden Knights win 3-2 to two in dramatic fashion. And I'll tell you, Spencer, while we're waiting for David Shane to join the show, I will tell you that... Um, what a monumental win it was for the Vegas Golden Knights. the heck out of this. And um, it's a great place to come. And today, especially, you got a basketball game starting at ten o'clock this morning, if I'm not mistaken. Game one of the 76ers series against the Atlanta Hawks. And then shortly after that, a little bit later on today, you have uh, you have a huge game seven with uh, coming up that's going to be with the Clippers and Dallas. Game as well, of course, the baseball tonight in a big game. No place better than to watch all of those events than here at Kicker Sporting Bar. They've got 17 big screen televisions, 15 gaming machines. The social distancing is down. They're back to 100% capacity. It is time to come on down. Play. The Knights games, they um, offer $2 shots all game long. And every time the Knights score, last game you would have gotten three shots. Hopefully the Vegas Knights score a lot today. They need to. And three uh, shots for every goal scored by the Vegas Golden Knights. And again, hopefully that will be soon. you know, during football season. They have this NFL Sunday ticket. They are a Packers bar, and during Packers game, they're actually giving away Packers swag, Packers videos, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. This place is amazing. Come on down and check that out, and again, no place better to watch Vegas Golden Knights hockey than right here at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. Free shots every time they score a goal, and uh, hey, some goals, you know, some games uh, this year. There's been a lot of goals scored. You've had a chance to have a lot of free drinks, but it's pretty cool. They also show all the UFC and other pay-per-view events. Get here early. They don't charge to get in. You got to get here in time for those events. But every time there's one of those, they have kickers. Honestly, it's a cool of a place uh, and one of the very few standalone sports bars and gaming facilities in downtown las vegas again just down the road from the cashman center and the neon boneyard 931 north las vegas boulevard come on down check it out again we'll be here for about the next 50 minutes so if you want to come down and check it out that's awesome back to uh nightcap and what's on and what's going on today uh joined right now by david shane he is he does cover the beat for the Vegas Golden Knights, um, traveling back and forth all over the place, a special time of year, a special hockey day. First of all, welcome for the first time uh, to Out of Line.
2: Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you guys.
0: Oh man, we're excited to have you on. it been a, a series to, say east, uh, to this point where. Game one, they obviously weren't ready to play, and that's only because of the physical demanding series they had against the Minnesota Wild. Um, A lot of people question Pete DeBoer's decision to put Mark Leonard in game for game one. I understood it being that you're giving Mark Andre Fleury a rest. I just wish you would have given him a little playing time in the Minnesota series. I said to Spencer, game five would have been the perfect game to play Leonard. You're up three games to one. You know, you don't really want to give away a game, but you don't look at it that way. You got Robin Leonard, who last year at the end of the season looked like he was going to be the heir apparent to Fleury and start this year as the starting number one goaltender. Why you didn't play him at all in the Minnesota series, I understand how well Mark Henry Fleury played, but I really thought game five was the perfect time to play him, and I really thought you kind of threw him to the wolves in game one against Colorado. Now after that performance, You know, you almost can't use him, and he hasn't even been the backup in the last game.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, whatever happened in game one, he got hurt because he hasn't been practicing. Uh, He hasn't been at the morning skate. And like you mentioned, Logan Thompson is in the backup. So clearly something happened in that game. I think, you know, him trying to slide across and stop some of those, uh, you know, Kind of one timer, uh, easy easy looks at the Avalanche. had. maybe he pulled something. I, I I never tried to play doctor. I don't want to speculate, you know, or anything like that. Uh, other than to say, obviously, some kind of injury happened. You wouldn't be listed as day to day otherwise. Um, I, I guess I'm with you a little bit in terms of if you're gonna play him in that series against Minnesota, you you probably would have played him in Game Five. I think if I'm gonna put myself in Pete DeBoer's shoes at that point, though, he he was. I don't want to say petrified, but they did not like that matchup against Minnesota at all. And they had a chance to close that thing out, and Marc-Andre Foyer was playing well, and they wanted it done, dusted, out of there. They wanted it over it by Game 5. They did not want to go back to Minnesota, and they definitely did not want to play a Game 7 against the Wild in that series. Ultimately, it worked out you know, in the long run. But yeah, I guess if you were going to play him, I think Game 5 would have been the spot. And then going forward in game one, I'm sort of on the boat, and I think I may be the only one here that wasn't surprised or didn't think it was all that controversial that Robin Leonard started game one. For a little bit of what you said, just the spot in the schedule. I mean, you think about the Minnesota series. They went from Minnesota back to Vegas for game five, two-hour time change. Then they went back to Minnesota for game six, two hours ahead. Came back to Vegas for game seven, another two-hour time change. Then went to Colorado and Elevation. So if you're going to do it, if you're going to give Marc-Andre Fleury a rest, that was the spot to do it.
0: And unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Yeah, no, I agree with you, David. I thought game one was the game that Leonard was going to play. I wasn't shocked at all. You got to give Fleury a little break between the pipes. The guy's in his upper 30s. He's obviously taking the same vitamins as uh, Tom Brady uh, because he just seems to get better with age like a fine wine. He has been so miraculous during this series. Uh, throughout his career, he's been incredible. He's been himself as one of the greatest playoff wins. Now he just continues to do magical things. And being from Detroit, I used to go to games in Detroit, the Pistons years ago when they drafted Isaiah Thomas, just to see Isaiah Thomas play because you never never knew. When something spectacular was gonna happen. Same thing with Barry Sanders on the Detroit Lions. You never knew when he was gonna do something special. I almost put Marc Andre Fleury in that category where every game you come and he's between the pipes, you never know when you are going to see something spectacular. Continue to stay Constantly is thwarting off defenders, uh, plays the puck as well as any goaltender in the National Hockey League. What a pleasure and an honor it is for us in Las Vegas to have a guy like Mark Andre Fleury representing this flan- franchise. Seats. We got the.
2: Yeah, sorry, I'm having a really hard time. You're kind of clicking in and out on me. The, the one thing I'll say is, just to go back to the Robin Leonard thing, they did the exact same thing last year in the playoffs that Leonard shut Vancouver out in Game 7, and then they gave Mark andre Fleury game one, or game 1 against Dallas in the Western Conference Final right after. So Pete DeBoer kind of followed his own precedent. I don't think anybody should have really been shocked uh, in that regard. You've got $5 million worth of goaltending sitting on the bench you know, you have to use it at some point. That was the strength of, of this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can nitpick here and there as far as you know when when he used them. But I think the idea that you go away from Flurry at least for one game isn't all that controversial, at least as some, some people made it out to be. In, in terms of what I could pick up from your question, uh, yeah, I, I, you you never know when you're going to get the diving Superman save. You never you know when you're going to get the the windmill glove save. You know, some kind of I, I I mean. It's interesting, you know, I watch a lot of soccer and, and soccer players talk about, you know, their game and kind of their personality and flair and putting sort of their stamp, you know, on a style. It, Marc-Andre Fleury is the one guy in goal that you, you know, he's kind of an artist. He's kind of got a flair and something about him, the way that he plays net. And, the you know, the, the strength of him coming out of the draft, you know, 18 years ago was his ability to... Go laterally, and when you can go laterally, you make these unbelievable, spectacular saves. And and even at 36, you never know when Marc-Andre Fleury you know, is going to pull one out, like you mentioned.
0: No, he is such a magician and such a fan favorite and a team favorite. And it's so funny, when you meet this guy, David, as you have many times, as I have many times, I feel like I'm going to walk up to a guy and he's going to have like a UPS shirt on. He just doesn't look like a guy that would be one of the greatest goaltenders in the history of the National Hockey League and is probably one of the most humble superstar athletes I've ever met or had the privilege of interviewing. It's just just an incredible guy. Backtracking a bit because I do want to get to the keys of this series and the keys of the Vegas Golden Knight potentially going forward. But one of the things that we talked about, you know, they didn't want to reflect against Minnesota. That could have been avoided had they won the final home regular season game against the Colorado Avalanche. And this brings something that all of us have seen this year, the incredible growth of Alex Tuck. He is without question a very gifted hockey player. To be his size, have the hand he has, the speed he has, could use a little more physicality, but you can see the potential future of Alex Tuck. The one thing David – that we've seen, we saw in the Colorado game when it was one nothing, and Alex Tuck missed a wide-open net that would have made it 2 nothing. That might have changed that entire dynamic of that game. And he's also missed a couple of nets against Minnesota that were wide open as well and one against Colorado. If this guy ever gets that finishing touch in his game on a consistent basis, it's scary to think how good Alex Tuck is and what the ceiling might be. But what do you think it is that he misses finishing this game? Because I'm sure you remember that wide-open net against Colorado. He just flubbed on the puck. He might not be hearing us real well. Yeah, just late, late. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the, oh, Sorry, I moved. Oh, Up, you still there David? You hearing us? percent
2: maximum pulse speed And so what comes with that a little bit is you know when he when he gets those those things, it's like he gets a rush to the brain or something like that, and everything just goes hundred miles an hour instead of just kind of slowing down for him. That that is sort of the next step. I think that is sort of the, the the evolution in finishing. You know, is just being able to have that poise with the puck on your stick. You know, we'll always think back to the Stanley Cup final and the save that uh, Braden Holtby made against him. You know, that that's sort of the one that hangs over his head. Uh, but, yeah, there's been other examples, and, and I think that's the one thing that, you know, you, you take him from, you know, somebody who was, I think, at 18 goals, you probably put that out over a full season that's 25. You know, maybe, you know, that's the difference between him being like a 30-goal scorer, you know, and where he's at right now is just being able to finish, you know, a few of those those plays and, and
0: just having that poise and calmness around the net. Yeah, I agree. I th- We all know he is a tremendous asset to this team, and I think he's part of the future of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think the game will slow down like it does for all great ones as time goes on. And I think Alex Tuck does have greatness potential. Um, one of the guys who's already great, and probably the greatest acquisition the Go- Vegas Golden Knights have, ma- Knights have made since maybe they did their inaugural uh, expansion draft, is Mark Stone, the perfect fit for the first captain ever of this team. And, again, the leading point scorer going into the postseason, struggled at times in the Minnesota series, came through when they needed him to, and right now the Vegas Golden Knights need Mark Stone to you know, have more shots on goal. A great setup man, uh, uh, one of the best two-way players, in my opinion, in the NHL. But Mark Stone seems to, at times, have disappeared in this Colorado series.
2: Yeah, so a lot of that has to do with the matchup. And he's been against Nathan McKinnon and that line and, and trying to do a defensive job and focusing on that, you know, for the most part. I said they did a good job in game three and sort of let, you know, the second line, the Carlson beast on, on their matchup. It was something that I wrote about in the review journal, you know, as long as Nazem Kadri is suspended and not in the lineup for the avalanche, that's an issue. And that's, that's an, a, a matchup that the golden Knights can exploit. It's somewhere where the Carlson line is, is taking advantage. And, you know, Mark stone was made a, a sulky finalist this morning and, and he defensive play. I think especially against Miko Ranton, that, that's a that's a matchup that I think Pete DeGore looked at and at home with the last change said, Okay, let's go best on best. You know, that's that's the best chance we have. The slow down McKinnon in that line in that group is to just go once, you know, go best on best best as much as you can and, and do it that way and then try to win the depth matchup. And you know, as long as Colorado's got a problem on its fourth line, you know, in the first two games they had a couple of rookies out there. Golden Knights weren't able to take advantage in terms of scoring a goal, but they, there were a lot of chances against that fourth line when they were out there. And, and obviously we saw it a little bit, you know, in game three and, and the third line for the Knights, you talked about Alex Duck, uh, even though they're missing the TSEM mark right now, you know, they've played well as as well. So if, if Mark Stone isn't scoring, but he's preventing Nathan McKinnon and that group from scoring and the Golden Knights are winning the, the matchups down below and, and, You know, lower in the in the lineup, I I think that's something that Pete Savoir will take right now.
0: Agree with that, and that Colorado line of uh, Gabriel Landeskog, Miko uh, uh, Rantanen, and uh, of course Nathan McKinnon is one of the most dynamic, exciting lines. It's going to cause problems for everyone in the first period of Friday night's game. They were outshot fifteen to three in that period. The Avalanche, as a whole, that's a that's a five to one shooting ratio. Of course, the period ended up zero zero, but that has to be in the heads of Colorado that Vegas is able to keep them uh, even from getting shots at times, which is really really big. And of course, a line that has been together since the uh, the formation of this team in two thousand seventeen, the misfit line of of um. Riley Smith, William Carlson, and Jonathan So Wow, what would they do without these guys? They are the staple of this Golden Knights team, two of the three goals in a Friday night's game. And it is so much fun that this team has stayed – this line, I should say, has stayed together for four seasons and for two different coaches.
2: Yeah, and Pete DeVore called them their identity, you know, the identity of the franchise and – in terms of just, you know, they're the cast-offs, they're the guys that, you know, came from other places and, and had the chip on their shoulder. And, yeah, and, and proved, you know, proved that they could play. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I'm trying to remember at what point, you know, maybe it was when Pacioretty was out and they were struggling to really find somebody uh, on the first line. And obviously Alex Tuck eventually moved up there and, and seemed to play pretty well for the most part in that series. But... You know, one of the things that I was advocating for at that point was to play Jonathan Marchessault up there and to break up that misfit line because Jonathan Marchessault is more of the kind of finisher, um, goal-scoring role, which is what was missing with Max Pacioretty. They needed a finisher on that line, and Jonathan Marchessault had had some chemistry with Mark Stone at the World Championship in 2019. So it was something that I thought, you know, maybe – Pete DeBoer tinkers with, maybe he, he looks at. And obviously he kind of said, no, we're keeping them together. And he talked about that yesterday, even about, you know, there were some options, there were some things to do, but you don't find chemistry like they have very often. And when you have it, you keep it together and you roll with it. And and it's paid off so far in this series. And I think if the Golden Knights are going to get through the Colorado Avalanche, it's going to be because that second line, that Carlson line continues to produce and play well, I, I think they need that depth and that secondary scoring to, to ultimately, you know, win this thing. They're they're going to need to win. You know, what it's, it was four out of five when they went home that they have to win over Colorado. That's a pretty tall task. If, if they're going to do it, it's going to be because of the missed at line of scoring.
0: I couldn't agree more. And I think also if they're going to do it, it's continuing to play great defense. The oldest cliche or adage in sports is defense wins championships in every sport, including hockey. Our last line of defense among the best in the NHL for years and years in Marc-Andre Fleury. And, of course, a really solid defense getting stronger by picking up Alex Petrangelo this year. Um, Martinez has been just a godsend, shots, one of the best shot blockers on defense in the National Hockey League. And then you have guys, staples, like uh, uh, um, Theodore, uh, Shea Theodore, who is emerging as one of the best two-way defensemen in the National Hockey League. You know, a guy that can put the puck in the net, tons of points. Last year, the leading points get, score scorer four of the Vegas Golden Knights in the postseason and Shays Theodore has just turned into a magical player. Amazing. He didn't make the initial uh, initial lineup in two thousand seventeen. And it was funny I talked to him right after he Chicago and he said I'm never going back but the health right now of um, Brayden McNabb, who is also one of the cornerstones of the defense of the Vegas Golden Knights. And also I wanted to ask you if you had any updates on Zach Whitecloud, who when he went down, I said, wow, it looks like he might have broke his arm. Uh, any, any news on those two players? Uh,
2: Whitecloud came back in the game. So assuming that he's going to be okay, they didn't practice yesterday, so we didn't have a look if he was on the ice or anything, and Pete DeBoer wasn't asked directly about it. So I, I would assume Zach Whitecloud would, would be okay, and if we asked him. Pete DeBoer is probably going to say he's a game-time decision. <laughs> so that seems to be the standard answer in the playoffs. Um, Braden McNabb is coming up on his 10 days as far as um, COVID protocol, but, I mean, he's on he's in protocol. So there's no mystery as far as whatever's going on with him. And whatever has to happen like it's 10 days minimum and then at that point like they can maybe clear him to get on the ice a little bit same thing happened with the Trangelo and Tomas Nosik. but it's 14 days before you're even cleared by the doctor um, and you go through the cardiac tests and all that stuff that's clear in the protocol so we're not going to see Brady McNabb for at least a couple days and you know at least until he's on the ice uh, it's not really even anything to worry about and Nick Holden's playing pretty well too. So, I mean, you kind of almost have to wonder as long as, you know, they're playing as well as they are back there. And to go back to your earlier question, as long as they're limiting shots and frustrating the avalanche, you know, the way that they are, it's it's interesting how this series is split. They score seven goals in the first game, but in the second game, it was a grind for them to get two, and then the third in overtime, it took, you know, a penalty that Pizza Board called a soft call for them to even get the power play and all that. They were starting to... Realize it was going to be a struggle to score and to produce offense in the series. And then, you know, obviously in game three, you know, they had 20 shots. It, it They they had two goals. Obviously, Miko Rantanen made a great play in the third period and and all that. But they're struggling for offense, and it's a grind for them, and it's hard for the Avalanche right now. And, you know, the narrative coming out of their locker room is very different right now than it was, you know, a few days ago in terms of the struggle that they're – having in terms of they understand now that they're in a fight here in this series and game four is going to be a real swing game in terms of, you know, 3-1 looks very different than
0: 2-2. This is out of line and we are talking to David Shane. He covers the beat for the Las Vegas Review Journal. uh Probably read them all the time in the sports section of, with the Golden Knights. A uh, couple more questions, David, I'll let you get going. We got a long day today. We got a game tonight at 530. Who has been the biggest surprise to you in this postseason for the Vegas Golden Knights and I don't think it's a huge surprise because Chandler Stevenson has had his best season in the, has had his best season in the NHL this year but I think he's continued to be dynamic in the playoffs and really an integral part of this Golden Knights team uh, he's been my biggest surprise who's been yours?
2: Um, that's a good question. Uh, Probably Matthias Janmark before he got hurt, to be quite honest. I mean, it was a hat trick in in game seven from somebody that had only scored an empty net goal after he was acquired. And after that game, going into the Colorado series, as strange as it sounds, he was their leading scorer. He had more points than Mark Stone or Theodore who hadn't even scored or anything like that. So uh, they've missed him in a way. Um you know, that was a that was a big, you know, a big um, moment, I guess you could say, in, in that game seven. That's something that I think is gonna go down in, in Golden Knights lore and Golden Knights history. Um, you know, and and where people you know, that game seven, you know, certainly wipes away some of the memories from from San Jose and and if you're gonna talk about a game seven, I think you can, you know, remember a, a positive, you know, Matias Yamark Patrick instead of you know a Cody Eakin major and, and things like that. But they missed him, and I think, you know, he, he so far, even though I'm talking about somebody that's been injured and hasn't played the last couple games, you know, I think he was a big surprise, and he, he solidified that third line, especially when Max Pacioretty came back and they were able to, to team him with, with Alex Tuck. It was, a, you know, a nice pairing that they had going. They were developing some chemistry. And I think they missed him the last couple games, even though they played, you know, two of their, their best games of the series.
0: Yeah, he was a great pickup. A seasoned guy with a lot of playoff experience. And um, surprising he only had the one empty net goal going into the postseason. But that that hat trick was magical and great. And I hope he gets back in, uh, in the postseason, you know, provided the Vegas Golden Knights continue to move on. A couple more questions for you, David. We'll let you go. Um, your prediction on the series, what's going to happen And mainly what it would take, you know, and you've kind of talked about it for the Vegas Golden Knights to win this series. And then finally, your prediction on today's game, because I think today's game is just as crucial as game three was.
2: Yeah, I think so. At the start of the series, I picked the Avalanche in six, so I won't come off that. Uh, I think kind of with that, I saw the series, you know, maybe maybe being 2-2, but in a different way. Um, I thought the Golden Knights could steal Game One or Two, um, and I thought the Avalanche would answer. Uh, I think it would be. I thought it would be hard for both teams to hold serve at home, so I'm not going to come off that. I thought the Avalanche would, you know, would win in six. And I guess if I'm going to say that I thought it would be two-two, then I got to say that I think the Golden Knights will hold serve. I think they will win today. Uh, I think they have some momentum. I think they've been getting chances. You know, it, it was the one thing in in the Minnesota series where you you wondered at times that they would even be able to generate shots against the way that Minnesota played. That hasn't really been a problem against the Avalanche. It's just getting something past Philip Grubauer. He's been really good and knowing why he's a Vezina finalist as well. Uh, so in in that sense, you know, I, I think what they've done and what they need to do going forward is just a lot of what what's happened the last five periods. You know, it's simple hockey. It, it, it's boring at times. It's not the flashy, like, you know, break it out of the zone, diagonal pass through the neutral zone, tic-tac-toe, and, you know, everybody jumps up and screams. Like, that's hard to do. You're not going to really do that against Colorado. And the flip side to that is you don't really want to get sucked into a game like that. You don't really want to start trading chances with them. That's not the blueprint. The blueprint against Colorado for the Knights is to be a big, heavy, strong team. Get the puck in deep, cycle it, you know, try to generate offense around the net, work it out to the point. Like, not getting into the rushes and things. Like, they've been able to do that a little bit when they can create turnovers in the neutral zone, clog it up, and move it quick. Uh, you saw, like, the Riley Smith goal. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember which game it was. Uh, it was, uh, I, I, my brain is mush, but Shay Theodore stepped up in the neutral zone and, and created a turnover. March or so hit uh, Riley Smith coming down the left wing. Um, and then he cut into the middle and, and scored on the backhand. I think that was the tying goal in game two, if I remember right. But those are the types of things that, that they can do to transition. But it's it's not about getting into racehorse hockey with Colorado. They they need to do the boring, simple, almost trapping kind of clog it up things that they've done. You know, get pucks behind that defense. You know, really pound them. That's a smaller, undersized, quick defense that the Colorado Avalanche have, but the Knights have big, strong, heavy forwards. And if they are able to get bodies on them and grind them on the wall, slow them down, wear them down in a game and in a series, I think that's their best bet.
0: I would agree with you 100%. I think shutting down my keys were, and I've been saying this, is shutting down that number one line of Lanniscag, Rantanen, and McKinnon. And one name, Marc-Andre Fleury. Without him, they're not to this point, David. And Mark andre Fleury is still a gem. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury is going to continue to have to be lights out for this team to have any chance of going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're in the playoffs, if you're going to make a deep run, you know, goaltending the most important position. And certainly if Robin Leonard is out, if he's day-to-day, which could mean tomorrow or it could mean, you know, seven days or ten days, you know, you know, Mark andre Fleury is going to have to shoulder the load. And I don't think that was a surprise. He was probably going to have to do that anyway. But they're going to need him to play well. They're going to need him to, you know, come up with big saves like he made against Ranton in there in the final minute. You know, Colorado is going to get its chances as much as you want to, you know, slow down that top line. You know, it's kind of that old sports center saying: You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. Uh, you know, so it's going to be, you know, on Marc-Andre Fleury to come up on the back end and, and make those saves, you know, win Ranton and win Landeskog and win McKinnon, get those looks because it's going to happen. It's just a matter for the Knights of limiting them and then and then having Marc- Marc-Andre Fleury, the dude, I guess as the Knights now call him, uh, you know, come up big.
0: He is David Shane. He is uh, covers the beat for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, the Vegas Golden Knights beat. And, David, final thing, I said my NHL Stanley Cup final this year, the Colorado Avalanche, and when they switched the playoffs a little bit, I said the Boston Bruins, an old veteran team that's probably on their last leg as far as, you know, guys like Marshawn and stuff. How many more years can they play? Boston playing really well, although New York tied up that series. Um, who's hoisting the cup at the end of the season?
2: You know, I'm terrible at these predictions. I never like to do them. I don't know. I'll say Colorado just to stir it up and just because I don't – I think it's hard to repeat. I think the two best teams are Tampa and Colorado. Um, I think if Boston does get by uh, the Islanders, I think as long as Tampa Bay keeps growing into its game, as long as Vasilevsky is playing well, and as long as Kucherov, you know, is – playing the way that they played my question with tampa bay going into the playoffs was you don't have a guy all year you play a certain way and you know your group gets used to it and then all of a sudden you drop an element into that where everybody maybe has to defer to him because he's a top player and he's a top point producer and an offensive driver and so when you played 56 games a certain way how is that going to change things but they seem to be fine and so i think as long as you know those those are the two most talented teams. I think as long as this plays out with talent, you know, kind of winning out in the end, it's going to be Tampa Bay and Colorado. And you know, I don't know. I'll throw it out there. I'll throw Colorado in there. I, if Grubauer is playing the way that he's playing in this series, and they get through it, you know, M- McKinnon to me is just a truck, man, and he's just he's just so hard to stop. And guys like that don't go into a slump. And if they get Kadri back at some point and they get some depth scoring. I, I just think Colorado is is a really tough team.
0: I agree. Nathan McKinnon, one of the most dangerous and scary players in the National Hockey League when it comes to skating. There's just nobody that can stop him. His first step is as good as anybody, and I agree with you on Tampa Bay. Amazing. A guy like Kucherov can be out with an Achilles injury the entire season, come back for the postseason, and immediately put the puck in the net. And, of course, with him and Stamkos and In my opinion, still the best goaltender in the National Hockey League in Vagileski. That team is going to be such a tough out. I agree. I just like the Bruins because of the veteran uh, leadership that they have. And Tuukka Rask is playing really well in net again. David Shane, we appreciate you. We'll see you tonight at the game, and uh, we'll definitely have you on the show again. Thanks.
2: Uh, Just real quick, I I do like the Taylor Hall pickup. That was something that it's come out that I guess the Golden Knights were. We're looking at him as well, and he wanted to go to Boston, and that's worked out pretty good for them. So. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that more again next
0: time. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let's hope we have some more conversations about the Golden Knights in the future. That'll mean they've continued on this season. Again, David Shane, Las Vegas Review Journal. Appreciate your time. All right, Spencer, uh, it is time for Fact This. You like- This. Fact This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This. number one pick of the L.A. Clippers and former Detroit Piston Blake Griffin turned back the hands of time yesterday in the Brooklyn Nets um, uh, 115-117 win in game one of the Eastern Conference semis. He scored 18 points, grabbed a team-high 14 rebounds, putting in 35 minutes on the hardwood. This is something I believe he's going to need to continue to do if the Nets are going to do what most experts think they are and win the 2021 NBA championships. And in the first minute of the game, holding that right out of 21 games this season. And now the Nets are playing the Milwaukee Bucks, who I thought had the best chance of beating the Nets if anyone was going to. But the Nets role players come up gigantic. They score 61 points. That is way better than they performed against in, in the in the first round against the Celtics. Uh, it's a pretty incredible feat when you consider what they've done. Spencer, the backups mainly Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, and Mike Jones, uh, Mike James. Excuse me. Of all stuff, they made six. Those three guys are going to have to play big without James Harden. As good as Kevin Durant is, arguably the best player in the NBA right now. And, of course, uh, you know Kyrie Irving, a tremendous compliment, as good on the point as anybody in the league when he's playing his best basketball. But you need a three-headed monster to win the NBA finals, and they don't have one. But when you take Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, and, again, um, Mike James, that can – the three of them cumulatively can make the third head of that three-headed monster for the Brooklyn Nets.
1: Well, I, first one I wanted to ask you about this because Blake Griffin had 18 points and 14 rebounds in it. I don't. Also, I don't even know if Blake Griffin ever played more than a Detroit Pistons uniform. But as I was driving over here, I was actually thinking about Blake Griffin on the Detroit Pistons. And clearly, I mean, in retrospect, he didn't want to play. But I wanted to get your opinion because – not every move is going to make out in any sport. You just have to try to make it happen, right? So but do you feel like going back in time, it was a mistake to trade for Blake Griffin? Or in the moment, did it feel right for the franchise?
0: Yeah, in the moment, it felt right for the franchise. And I think it was more for Blake Griffin than anything else. He wanted out of Detroit so bad, it was obvious. And it's wild because he was their best and a very important role player on the Brooklyn Nets, but that shows you how bad the Detroit Pistons are when you look at that, 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 that their best player is a role player on another squad. Granted, the Brooklyn Nets might be the most talented team in uh, from top to bottom in the National Basketball Association, but no, I think, uh, I think it was a good move for Blake Griffin, obviously a great move for the, for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the Pistons, what are they going to do anyways? You get, you get something for the future you're building, and Blake Griffin isn't going to be your future. Blake Griffin is your present and the present is the Brooklyn Nets. And 18 points, 14 rebounds, 35 minutes, a huge game for Blake Griffin. He had eight points. It was going to be a big game for him. He played tremendous defensively, showed great ball-hawking ability, and and how much hustle, twice forcing jump balls by getting down on the floor and refusing to let the basketball go. Huge part of that game, but it's still a big concern. If they're going to go all the way, I think – James Harden needs to be part of that mix, but I just don't know. Re-aggravating a hamstring injury, perhaps they brought him back too quickly. I don't know, but he was fine in the first series. It's just one of those things, and uh, it was a shocker. But, but overall, how about Kevin Durant? Again, how big he is, Spencer, 12-25 of 25 in the field, 29 points, 10 rebounds. It, you know me and my, all my, uh, my statistics, but it's the 35th career payoff game with 25 points and 10 rebounds for Kevin Durant. I mean, those are superstar monumental numbers. That's how good he is. Kyrie Irving, uh, uh, just shy of a double-double. He had 25 points and eight, eight assists yesterday in the game, too. But he had 20 in the first half which was huge to get this team going. The score ended up 115-107, an eight-point game, but it was really a larger margin than that when you look at the big picture of this game. I don't know what the Milwaukee Bucks are going to do to answer what the Brooklyn Nets have, even though Giannis is ridiculous, 34 points, 11 rebounds. Um, he had 26 points in the paint, which ties a playoff career high for him. He's huge on that, but um, the big, the big Achilles heel, For Giannis Antetokounmpo is his free throw shooting ability, Spencer. And I think ultimately that's why this team doesn't have the goods to win an NBA title. He is so good and so talented and has the ability to take over a game at any time. But again, it's the old hack-a-shack theory. Put at the coupo on the line, and he will gag. He did that yesterday in the game, shot very poorly. He was a 63% free-throw shooter on the season. He's not doing that well in the postseason, but that is a big issue for the Bucks Who you know is going to see the basketball an awful lot, and you know that by hacking him, you're probably going to reduce his point production.
1: Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, of course. And you know, the Wizards tried doing that with Ben Simmons the whole like, oh, you can get one point per possession is better than two or three. I don't know how I fall on that, but I would say the reality of the situation, at least in game one, had nothing to do with Giannis Attentacumpo. His criticism is that he wasn't able to get it done in the playoffs, and scoring 34 points is pretty good, right? It was a game high. The other, the real problem for Milwaukee Bucks, as I'm looking down the statue here, were the guys who everyone says that needed to step up offensively on behalf of him. Drew Holiday did have 17 points, but it was seven of 19 shooting. And then, worst of all, Christensen was 6 Can get it done. If you could stop the Brooklyn Nets to around 115, maybe How bad are they are offensively. You'd be able to win games 120 to 115. You'd say in your mind, Oh, you want to, you know, stop them to below 100 points, but everybody would. It's just not physically possible. The way you beat them is by taking advantage of how weak they are defensively. And it's just crazy to think that Chris Middleton was so good in the first round and then an easier defensive matchup for him in the second round and he can't get it done. I don't know that that's they should have won that game. I mean, to have James Harden go down. Because he could come back. We don't know the severity of the injury just quite yet. To win a series against championship teams, you have to be able to take advantage of the moment, and they certainly did not in game one. It'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, the two the two highest-scoring teams in the NBA this year, the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks, um, Milwaukee being number one. But, yeah, defense, as you mentioned, is not something the Brooklyn Nets talk a great deal about. They actually played some decent defense at times yesterday, but definitely not a defensive-oriented team. You've got a team that likes to put points on the board a lot they do, very because of the quality players they have. The job done and hits big shots, isn't afraid of the moment. I love what the Brooklyn Nets have. They're, they are a very fun team to watch. But again, you're, if you're looking for defense, it's not It's not a game that you definitely want to check out. How about other. I an hour after we got here today, Spencer, the seven- it's surprising team who took out the New York Knicks everyone was so high on. Um, it's young, man. This kid is unbelievable, Spencer, uh, for, for the Atlanta Hawks. But I think they're running into a juggernaut with the 76ers. You mentioned Ben Simmons a little bit ago. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, a two-headed monster that is so, so difficult to stop. They've been difficult to play against all year. The biggest problem with Philadelphia, the knock on them, has been the health of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, both to stay healthy for all season at 100% right now, and it's showing the way they play on the floor. When people talk about the East, they completely disregard the number one seeded team, seed team in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. Everyone's looking at the Milwaukee-Brooklyn matchup, saying that's the team that's going to advance to the finals. They're probably going to, get to have to get through Philadelphia. I can't see Atlanta having another upset victory, and getting by seven games and beating um, the 76ers. But the 76ers are not a team you should turn your head on, right? Yeah, no, to a certain
1: extent, um, I, I agree with you. And Trey Young, this has been his emergence, obviously. So the thing is, is if Joel Embiid's not healthy, like, none of this matters. I actually think the Hawks could get past the 76ers without a healthy Joel Embiid, in my opinion. Uh, the, the, the way their team is structured after that is, uh, you know, Tobias Harris then becomes the number one scoring option. Secondary is Ben Simmons. And then well, I guess you could probably say Seth Curry even more. That's not a championship roster. And if you want to compare the top scoring options for the 76ers without on Embiid B to the Hawks, Trey young, I'd rather have than Seth Curry. I'll tell you that right now. Tobias Chris, Maybe the combination of Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter, you might have better production between the two of them. It just depends. Tobias Harris doesn't take very good shot selection. He reminds me of Dylan Brooks, actually, a whole lot. We'll see. This will be a really good series. And all the uh, a lot of the credit has to go to the head coach for Atlanta Hawks. I always forget his name, but he's one of my favorite coaches in the NBA. Shows how much of a big fan I am of him. I thought when the Pacers let him go it was one of the biggest mistakes they've made, and obviously they're not even in the playoffs right now, so we're not even talking about the Pacers. We're hoping to get Terry Stotts; they'll probably be the leading candidate for that, but we'll have to see what goes on. I mean, uh, this is—we talked about that, or I just talked about that in the Milwaukee series. When you have an advantage, with Joel Embiid likely not playing tonight, if you're going to win series, you got to take those just
0: bizarre situations and take the—you
1: know—get the best out of. It.
0: Hell of a coach. And uh, and you are right. Atlanta's he's done a great job with the Atlanta Hawks this year. And Trey Young, I don't know if a lot of teams or a lot of players you wouldn't want you wouldn't want Trey Young in front of. He is that good and that magical. He's a winner. He's a he's a PTPer, as Dick Vitale would say. And he will give the Nets some fits and he will outplay Seth Curry. But I still think, or excuse me, the the 76ers, I still think the 76ers get by Atlanta, and I think it will be an intriguing matchup, whether it is Milwaukee, it's more than likely going to be Brooklyn, but I think the Brooklyn and 76ers will be a more intriguing matchup than most people give that that that, that credit for. It's because the size. When you've got Joel B and Ben Simmons, that is some tremendous size in the paint, and those guys are both good. They both can shoot from the perimeter. A little bit of free throw issues, but um, don't count out the 76ers. I still think the Nets will beat them. I think both those teams will get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Nets come out of the East, but you shouldn't be disregarding uh, the the 76ers in any way, shape, or form. And Spencer, a huge game today that's got to be talked about a little bit as we run a little bit low on time. Again, Game 7, L.A. and Dallas. Most people thought the L.A. Clippers would walk through this matchup, maybe a five-game series, but there's a guy named Luka Doncic who said, "Uh, no, I am one of the best players in the league, and I'm going to show the world that right now. If you didn't hear a Luka Doncic before, the L.A. Clippers – You definitely know him now if you're any kind of a basketball fan. One of the most electrifying, exciting players in the National Basketball Association. Uh, Can play defense when he wants to. We've seen that. He's a Charlie Hustle type of guy. He'll go on the floor for you, but the bottom line, he flat out scores. He reminds me of, I don't even want to say a poor man's Larry Bird because he's so young still. But that's the kind of guy he reminds me of, a guy that can shoot from anywhere, a guy that can have the rock in his hand at any point in time of the game, including I think the Clippers get by this, and I think the Clippers could end up as the Western Conference representative. But I'm not counting Dallas out. Luka Doncic and that team is this magical.
1: Yeah, I mean the whole and the whole like the defensive philosophy on Luka in the first two games was very bizarre. It Was let's soft switch everything. So he would say, "Okay, there's right yeah. screen." Which is the correct decision to do? Uh, he had a decent, I think, game four, if I'm not mistaken, where he shot a bunch of times, but it was a little inefficient, and his team was a little rusty for it. So I think you can have let you can let Luca shoot at a very high volume as long as that you're taking one aspect of his game away. Either you're showing the double team at random times to kind of mix it up. Or you're going under on screens. He, had, I think he shot like seven of thirteen from three in one game, like something ridiculous. But he's like a career 33, 35 percent shooter from outside. But I think that's so just you know deny the passing lanes. Let him be the individual scorer. You know Kawhi's going to be on him like the entire time in Game Seven. They may not do as much switching, or if they do, it'll be the only switch between Paul George and, and um, uh, Kawhi Leonard. But the thing about the series, and obviously last game was. Man, Kawhi Leonard shooting like s- over seventy percent in their wins in this series. Not just in one game because he did shoot seventy in last per- in the- percent in the last game. No, all three of their victories came from Kawhi Leonard shooting over seventy percent. I don't. I, you love your statistics. I don't know how many times that's been done. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I would imagine it's a pretty short
0: list. Uh, I don't have that number, Spencer. But <laughs> but you are right. Kawhi Leonard is magical, and when him and Paul George are both clicking, uh, you need a two-headed monster. Uh, they could get it. I don't think they'll win the NBA see them in the West Again, they've got to get by a very stout, tough Luka Doncic and Dallas Mavericks team today. And finally, the last matchup, not really a huge surprise. The Phoenix Suns ousted the L.A. Lakers. A lot of people like the Lakers. So many futures bets. I know all the books are so happy in Vegas that the Lakers are gone. But um, the L.A. Lakers got bounced, but the real reason is Anthony Davis. I mean, he was the MVP last year in the playoffs. I mean, as great as LeBron James is, you see what LeBron James is without lost I don't think they're getting by Denver, but um, that will be a good matchup and a fun series, and tomorrow's game, one of that series. Spencer, real quick, because we're almost out of time, uh, the Las Vegas Aces, uh, the second-best team in the Western Conference right now. They handed the Seattle Storm, who's the best team in the WNBA, with only one loss, seven wins. They have have seven wins, one loss. Uh, The Aces handed that loss, but the Aces are playing some pretty good basketball right now, and uh, they're on the road, but they'll be returning home soon. Definitely a must-see. Also, as I mentioned, the Aviators uh, lost last night, but starting the tenth of June, they will be home all the way to the twenty second. Twelve days, twelve games. Get out and check out the Las Vegas Aviators at the at the new ballpark. Uh, second, really, the second season of the ballpark because last year didn't count. And hey, they are the understudy or the. Um, the minor league team of the Oakland A's who could become the Las Vegas A's. Uh, that is a serious conversation that we'll have on future shows, but that is a distinct possibility. Also, real quickly want to mention uh, Julio Jones, now a member of the Tennessee Titans, which is big for them. They got that big receiver at the end of his career, but he could still get it done. And I also want to mention Jake DeBrom, DeGrom. You talk about statistics, an old, a current Met I met Jake DeGrom when he was playing for the 51s out here when they were saying Noah Syndergaard was going to be the next great pitcher. Turns out to be DeGrom. Do you know in his eight starts this year, he's given up four earned runs that include yesterday, shutting out in seven innings, the mighty San Diego Padres. This guy is for real, and he passed yesterday, Sid Fernandez, for fourth all-time on the Mets strikeout list already. That's how good Jacob DeGrom is. Listen, we are out of time. Uh, This is Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman. I want to thank our guest today, David Shane, for taking some time and coming on the show with us. Of course, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski, our social media director, for helping me out here on the show. And back in the studio, want to thank Daman, Dino Damon Cotton, for all the great work he does for us. And I uh, want to thank Kickers. a for having us on here at Kickers Gaming. We'll be back Sunday, hopefully. About the Vegas Golden Knights. Once again, I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. The, the Vegas Golden, Golden Knights Insider
1: Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
2: Weekdays of.